Good morning, beautiful children of God. That's a little loud under here this morning. I figured it might be, so that's why I stayed right here. Is that a little better? All right. Everybody out in the cars, I hope you can hear this morning. It sounds like you can. I think I hear my little reverb from out there. Turn that one down just a little bit. Well, it is a beautiful day. We had some rain, but now we have some sunshine and a few clouds. So it is just a wonderful day to come and worship God. So grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Some things that are going on parish news-wise. You'll see there in the bulletin, you'll see the uh, stations of the cross are going to remain up for a little while longer. Also, we have our prayer labyrinth on the basketball court that's always going to be up and going to be there. Uh, Mother's Day bulletins. May 1st is the deadline. Um, we have those in the back back there. Uh, so uh, if you haven't picked one up yet, you can pick one of those up. Uh, or you can go online and it's on the uh, church uh, church website um, for that if you want to get it that way. Uh, anything else about that? Awesome. Awesome. So we're thankful that the women are doing that again this year. Um, so thank you for that. Are there any other announcements that we need to be made aware of? Alright. Well, if there's none others, let us begin our time of worship with prayer. So let us pray. Shepherd of love, guide our thoughts and our actions that we too might become shepherds of love. Speak to our hearts as we listen this day that our hearts may expand and embrace all of your sheep. Love us fully that we might love all the flocks of your world as fully as we are loved by you. In your shepherding love, we pray. Amen. Our song of preparation this morning is Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us.
Well, prayer is always a good and wonderful thing. So we now take a time to share our joys and our concerns, those things that we would like to be prayed over and those things we would like to celebrate. So what do we have this morning to celebrate and to pray for? Yes, Jenna's dad is home. Others. Well, we have many that are on our prayer list and that we have uh, on the prayer in Caroline that we have seen over the past couple of weeks. So continue to remember all those uh, that are on that list. So this morning I have a prayer that is based on the 23rd Psalm that is penned by Carol Penner. So let us pray. Gentle shepherd, thank you for the way you have led us to green pastures and still water. You've shown us beauty this week that has fed our souls. The brilliant green of the budding trees glowing in the morning sun. The delicate symphony the birds sing each morning. The care caress of the warm sun on our upraised cheeks and the fragrance of lilac in the evening. Some of us have walked through dark valleys this week, and all of us know someone in a dark valley. Valleys of sickness, grief, uncertainty, and fear. You meet us there in the darkness. You protect us. Our enemies are present in our lives, forces that would take us away from you. Pride, envy, hatred, selfishness, all played out on an individual and corporate level. We need your help in our lives. You have heard the concerns of our hearts that we have spoken during our sharing time today. And you have heard the concerns that were unspoken, which weigh too heavily for us to share them. We call on you for help. You guide us carefully. You have provided our basic needs this week. Thank you for the food we've eaten, for the luxury of a variety in our diet, for the joy of cooking, for the clean water that comes out of our taps. You anoint us with oil. You're, you gift us with grace, providing unexpected blessings over and over encouragement and new strength when we falter, tender compassion when we are spent. Goodness and mercy is following us all the days of our lives. We give thanks for this good life, for life and breath this day, a day to praise and thank you. We want to say in your presence, stay in your presence forever. And as we join with the chorus of saints and sinners this morning, we pray the prayer that your Son, Jesus, our Lord, taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our Psalter reading this morning is very familiar. It is Psalm 23, so if you will look at your bulletin, let us go through our Psalter this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters, restores my life. Leads me in right paths for the sake of the Lord's name. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. We are thankful as a community for all the gifts, offerings, and tithes that have been given to continue to support the ministry of Lovejoy. So let me offer these prayers this morning over those gifts, offerings, and tithes. Let us pray. Shepherd of love, bless these gifts with the power and presence of your love. May your love bring healing to a world in need and your touch. May your grace bring hope to a world in need of your promise. And may our love be a sign for all to see that you, who are love, are present in the world today. Amen. This morning, the message text comes from both 1 John and the Gospel according to John. So 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 24 and then John 10, 11 through 18. So 1 John 3. This is how we know love. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. But if someone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but refuses to help, how can the love of God dwell in a person like that? Little children, let's not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. This is how we will know that we belong to truth and reassure our hearts in God's presence. Even if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence in relationship to God. We receive whatever we ask from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. This is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love each other as He commanded us. Those who keep His commandments dwell in God, and God dwells in them. This is how we know that He dwells in us, because of the Spirit He has given us. And then the Gospel of John, chapter 10, 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. When the hired hand sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and runs away. That's because he isn't the shepherd. The sheep aren't really his. So the, whole, the wolf attacks the sheep and scatters them. He's only a hired hand and the sheep don't matter to him. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as his father knows me and I know the father, I give up my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that don't belong to this sheep pen. I must lead them too. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. This is why the, father's love, the father loves me. I give up my life so that I can take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I give it up because I want to. I have the right to give it up, and I have the right to take it up again. I receive this commandment from my Father. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, we have heard your scripture. We have gathered in preparation. Lord, as we sit this morning, may we hear you speak. And may the words of your servant's mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I love you. And there is nothing you can do about it. This is what we learned last week from the pastor in residence at Kaleidoscope. He was also a Justin. So it freaked me out on Friday night because I didn't know. And the music leader says, and Justin's going to lead us in a message. My heart sunk. But he got up, and the first thing he said is, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. And then he looked at the youth and the adults sitting there and told them to turn to their right and look at that person and tell them, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Then he said, turn to the left and do the same thing. Now, when we have a bunch of middle schoolers gathered together, when, when you tell the youth to do something, there's usually a lot more that happens than just what you've asked them to do. But each one of those youth looked at their friends that they came with. And giggled and laughed, but said, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. And he told us over the weekend that this is what we are supposed to do, because that's what Jesus has done and is still doing. Jesus is still looking at everyone, at all the children of God, at all the brothers and sisters that are adopted into the family, and he is saying, I love you. 
and there's nothing you can do about it. And today's scripture tells us about that love. So let's first look at this 1 John scripture. It starts out, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. The author of 1 John here is talking about Jesus. And he's talking about action. You see, he's telling us that love is known in action. That through God's action in sending Jesus Christ into the world, and through Christ's action of laying down his life for us, he said, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. But John, the, the author of 1 John, doesn't stop there. Because the very next part of that opening, opening verse is this. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. So not only is it Jesus' action that says, I love you, we are to do the same. It is our actions that others know what is in our hearts. Not our words. Our love is known to others through concrete actions that mirror Christ's own. So it's telling us to lay down our lives. Now we have heard these words before. We've probably spoken these with tones of awe. Because you see, in, in this public arena that we live in, we hear these words most often as a praise to the sacrifice of a soldier who dies to save others. Or perhaps to speak of rescuers who may die while attempting to save others from a burning building or rising waters or whatever the catastrophe is. Laying down our lives is an action. Specifically, this often surprising action of extraordinary self-sacrifice that is seen as a test of love. But for us, for Christians, for those who follow Christ, self-sacrifice should be ordinary and not extraordinary. Because we ought to lay down our lives, John writes, not intending to give a grand challenge for heroic Christian, but an everyday commandment for ordinary Christians. And that's worth repeating. The laying down of our lives... Our self-sacrifice for one another is an everyday commandment for ordinary Christians. So let's keep, keep unpacking this text. 
laying down our lives at its core can mean any number of ways in which we lay aside our claim to our own lives. We lay down our lives when we put others first. We lay down our lives when we live for the good of others. We lay down our lives when we make time for others. So to love others is to lay down our life for them. And when we lay down the completely normal human desire to live for ourselves, and we in, instead we allow the love of God to reorient us towards the needs of others, we are laying down our lives. When we lay down the complete the normal human desire to live for ourselves and instead allow the love of God to reorient us toward the needs of others, we are laying down our lives. I love you, and there is nothing that you can do about it. John is telling us, he's telling us what we should do. He's telling the people that read this text that there are actions we have to perform. And Jesus shows these actions and tells about them in the gospel text this morning. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And this is quite a radical statement. Because Jesus uses the same word for I am, ego imi, which is the same way of saying that Jesus meshes his mission with God's purpose and work in creation. So Jesus is alluding to the God of Moses here. The one who said, I am who I am. That's how they will know me. And Jesus is identifying as the I am. And Jesus makes it clear that he is God's servant and obedient to God's works. And he says, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Now when Jesus says he is the good shepherd, he uses a word that means many things. This word good that is kalos, implies which is ordered, sound, noble, ideal, model, true, competent, faithful, and praiseworthy. Jesus is not just any run-of-the-mill shepherd. He embodied strength, power, sympathy, kindness, and mercy. Jesus takes up God's mission and links himself with God's redemptive work in the world. 
He claims that his very life and work is an act of obedience to God. And no sacrifice is too great for the sheep. Even the shepherd's very life is available to further God's purpose. I love you, and there is nothing you can do about it. The good shepherd does not merely care for the sheep, but he also gathers the flock. And in John's understanding, those who see, hear, and believe in Jesus belong to the community. Thus, the door is wide open to the outcast of the day. The sinners, the lepers, women, Samaritans, tax collectors, and so many more. Jesus is concerned for the individual welfare of each sheep. He knows each by name. And for the communal destiny of the flock, those that gathers, he gathers into the field. And he tells them, I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. At some point, we have all known the longing and the hunger to be known. And in this day and age, we have created virtual communities over the internet. And over the past year, that's where we've lived. In virtual community with one another. And we've seen what virtual community can do. We see the doling out of just parts of ourselves in stingy little bits and pieces. We've seen the avoiding of being vulnerable with one another. We hold back our feelings and thoughts. We are afraid to confront each other. And we judge each other without mercy. We hold grudges. We set impossible high standards for ourselves and each other. Our good intentions are misunderstood and rejected and we avoid commitments because we do not want to risk exploitation or abuse. We have found it hard and difficult trusting each other in the virtual world. But now we're coming out of that. We're starting to form community again. Even reforming it because we've had to do it in a new and different way. But we're starting to come back together. So how are we going to do it? Are we going to go back to the way it has always been, the way we always did it before? Are we going to slide right back into that comfortable level where we've always been? Or are we going to use this opportunity to change? To provide a different kind of community where people 
feel like they belong. Jesus was more than a wonder worker. He embraced those that were outcast, those that were uh, oppressed, and those that were overlooked. Jesus' call for one flock and one shepherd does not imply sameness. Too much of our evangelicism has been exclusionary. We've heard it. We've seen it. And there are many that are turned off by the evangelical efforts of various fractions of Christianity that turn out to be oppressive and restrictive. The Gospel of John makes it clear that the work of gathering the flock belongs to Jesus and God. The work of gathering the flock belongs to Jesus and God, not us. We don't get to choose who comes into the fold. We are just to provide a space where they feel welcome. The community that John envisions is open and celebrates the diversity as a gift from God. John envisions multiple churches united in their loyalty to Jesus Christ. Gathering at God's table, bringing all who they are, and sharing in the grace and mercy available through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. So now, as I said in the beginning, the youth were invited to turn to their neighbors and say, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Now, for us married couples, that means a lot. Because sometimes we get really aggravated with one another. But Jesus loves us. And there's nothing we can do about it. And that's what we're called to say to one another. So turn to your neighbor. Look them in the eyes. And say, I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Come on. I love you. Three words that can mean so much. But there's more to the story. Because there's nothing we can do about the love that God has for us. There's nothing that we can do for the love that God has for others. 
We're supposed to be a channel of that love. And even when we feel like we can't love any more than we already do, God's love has no ending. God's love never runs out. So when we struggle to love, maybe we ought to just stop and let God love through us. Because our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, said, I love you this much with outstretched arms that were nailed to a cross. And then he rose from the grave and said, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. So as we come back together, as we begin reforming our community, let's pick up John's vision of the church. A vision of open community, one that celebrates its diversity, one that welcomes all people just as they are. Because Jesus and God are gathering the flock together. We can't stop that. But how are we going to receive those that are gathered into this flock? So let's take up the vision and let's prepare a space that is open and welcoming to all of God's children. I love you. And there is nothing that you can do about it. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our song of invitation this morning is a song that's called Acts Justly, Love, Mercy, Walk humbly, and is sung by Pat Barrett. So listen to the words as he sings this morning. And it all comes down to this what you require. God.
come to the end of this time of gathering, receive this benediction. Go now to love. Even with love involves risk. Go now to love as God loves us. Go now to care. Even when caring is hard. Go now to care as God cares for us. Go now to love in truth and in action. By this we are known as children of God. And may the forces of evil become confused on the way to your house. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen. Go in peace.